Um, my name is Lexi, if we have not met before, and I'm the Family Life Pastor here. And before we move on in our service, we just want to pause and take a moment to honor those who have given their lives in sacrifice and service of our country. And we also want to honor the families. You know, you might not know this, but there are many, many families in our church and in our community who have lost loved ones while they were giving their lives to fight for our country and we honor the memory of, of those individuals, those men and women who sacrificed for us, and we honor those families. And we know that, you know, for those of us who are here and maybe we have not lost a loved one in that way, it can be easy to kind of look over what this weekend means for some. Um, and we often will say, we'll call it a holiday weekend, but for many, it is a weekend of mourning and remembering someone that was dear to them who is no longer here. And so we want to take just a moment before we continue in our service and just pray for those families that God would be their comfort. So please join me in praying. Lord, we just thank you, God, for who you are. Lord, thank you that your word says that you are our source of comfort. God, that as we hurt and when we mourn and when we grieve, God, that you are right there with us, comforting us. So God, we pray right now for every family who has lost a loved one, uh, someone who has given their life in service of this country. God, we honor their memory. We honor the sacrifice that they made. And God, we honor the sacrifice their family made. God, we recognize, Lord, that it is not just a weight on the individual who is serving. God, it's, it's a weight on the whole family, everyone that loves and cares about that person. So Lord, we pray that you would be an ever-present uh, source of comfort and help in this time as people are remembering their loved ones this weekend. God, we thank you for the men and women who um, just selflessly serve our country day in and day out. God, we just thank you for that. And Lord, we just pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, my name is Lexi, and I'm the Family Life Pastor here, and I'm going to be continuing us on in our series that we've been in, Love Fiercely. And if you've been here the past few weeks, then you know that this series is all about living fiercely committed to faith, marriage, family, and community. We had a message uh, to kick us off with Pastor Adam, and he talked about what it looks like to be fiercely committed in our faith, in our relationship with Jesus, and how that's the foundation for every other relationship in our lives. A couple weeks ago, I shared a message about marriage, and I talked about the fact that we desperately need the help and the power of the Holy Spirit in our marriages, because the Holy Spirit is who helps us to love and serve like Jesus in our relationships. Last week, you got to hear from uh, Pastor Adam and Erica, and I loved this message because if you're a parent here, you know that when you go to the Bible and you look up like verses on parenting, really what we're looking for is like, God, just give me the key to get my kids in line. Like, I just need like a word. I need something that is going to like whip my kids into shape. And then you go to the word and really what it says is, no, I'm going to whip you into shape so that you can disciple your kids. And it's like, oh, no, I don't like that one as much. But Adam and Erica last week talked about just the power of us leading our kids by example. And then Pastor Caleb shared an awesome message about how do we fiercely love our communities. And more than that, you know, we are in a time, and this is no surprise to anybody, we're in a time of great division and, and tensions are high. And how do we cross barriers and begin to love people that we disagree with? Love people who might mock us or persecute us for our faith. How do we really love people no matter what their belief is, no matter what their worldview is, no matter who they voted for, we love people deeply and fiercely the way that Jesus loves them. And today we're going to be continuing in this series, and what we're going to be talking about today is the foundation of our relationships. What is the foundation of our relationships? 
You know, when our team started talking and planning and praying about this series, there was one verse that just jumped off the page to me, and it struck a chord in my heart, and I have not been able to shake it ever since. And it's 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7. It says, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Now, I don't know if you have ever read any books on marriage or relationships, or maybe you've listened to podcasts, or maybe you've seen a marriage counselor or a family counselor, all of the people in those fields will agree that there are two words that you should never, ever use in a relationship. It's always and never. Raise your hand if you've heard this. You should not say always and never. Now raise your hand if you're like me and you do use always and never too often. You know, there have been so many times where I'm having, you know, a conversation, a discussion with my husband, and I say, well, you always do this, or you never do that. And because my husband is an awesome man of God and the Lord uses him to refine me on a daily basis, he says, really, I always do that, or I never do that? I'm like, well, 99% of the time, you always do, no. But everyone will agree, we don't use always and never. So to me, it really struck a chord with me when I read this passage, God's word, which is absolute truth, when it says that love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Those are strong claims. And I don't know about you, but when I read that, I think to myself, that's the kind of love that I want to experience in my marriage. That's the kind of love that I want to experience in my family. That's the kind of love I want to see moving and at work in our community. So I think the question becomes, how do we cultivate a love that endures? How do we cultivate a love that endures? And I think the hard reality that we need to understand today, before we dive any further, before we go in anymore, we have to understand that there is no shortcut to cultivating this kind of love. There's no shortcut. You know, we live in a culture that loves a good shortcut. We want to know the easiest and quickest way possible to get to a certain outcome. And I was thinking this past week about some of the advances that have happened in our society the past several years. You know, you see push to start ignitions. Now, I don't know about you, my wrist was not that burdened from turning the key in the ignition, but we just had to make it even easier to start your car. You see Roomba vacuums. Who's got a Roomba vacuum? Don't lie. I know you got a Roomba vacuum in here. It was like, man, I'm getting like you know, tennis elbow, I'm getting vacuum elbow, I need to get a Roomba, and I'm not getting, no hate, because I want a Roomba, like, to me, I'm putting it on my Christmas list, but if you've got kids, pets, that thing's just vacuuming your house, it's amazing, you've got self-driving cars, now, I gotta tell you a story about this one, so I was driving on I-5 the other day, this was unsettling, I'm driving down I-5, and I look over at the car next to me, and there's a woman in a Tesla, she has her phone literally this close in front of her face, both hands, she's texting and the car's driving for her. And I was like, you know, I just, I don't feel comfortable driving next to you. I love the technology. It's amazing. I don't want to drive next to you while you have no hands on the steering wheel. And the last one, you know, you've got Alexas. Now I have a friend in this room. I can make fun of him because he's here. He once had his whole house hooked up to the Alexa. Like it's like, we're never touching another light switch for the rest of our lives. Like Alexa, turn on my kitchen light. Alexa, turn on my TV. Alexa, play this song. The reality is we live in a society that wants to have the easiest and quickest way possible to reach a certain outcome. And I think if we're being honest, we would say that we do this in our faith and in our families as well. 
You know, you think about your faith. Many of us, we operate in a sort of bare minimum mindset of what do I have to do to keep my relationship with Jesus afloat. And okay, I need to do devotions. All right, I've got three minutes this morning. I'm gonna read the Bible for three minutes. So what else do I have to do? I have to pray. Okay, I'm gonna say a little prayer right before bed. What else do I have to do? Oh, I should go to church. All right, one to two times a month, let's go. Caleb and I were talking this past week that the new statistics are that 1.35 times a month is the average amount of time someone's gonna come to church in a month, about one time per month. You know, I think we operate this way of, all right, I got to get the quick solution. And so I want to be a Christian, so I got to, you know, meet all these boxes. And we do it in our families as well. All right, I want a healthy marriage. All right, I should get flowers on Valentine's Day, maybe Mother's Day. We should probably go do something for our anniversary. You know, we operate in this kind of mindset. But the truth is that there is no shortcut to cultivating a love that endures. There is no shortcut to cultivating a love that endures. So how do we do it? Well, there's a passage in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, and I think this scripture gives us three key truths that we need to hold on to, that we need to abide by if we want to cultivate a love that endures. And, the, and this is what the passage says. I'm going to start in verse 24, Matthew 7. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I think there's three key things that we see in this passage that help us understand how to cultivate a love that endures. And the first one is this, that we have to choose the right foundation. We have to choose the right foundation. And so the question is, what is the right foundation? Now, I think really quickly, a lot of us would shout out an answer. What's the right foundation? Jesus, yes. I was just talking to a kid in kids' church last week, and I said, you know what? When in doubt, always throw out Jesus. It's never a bad guess for an answer. I think we look at that and we think, what's the right foundation? Jesus, got it. But Jesus, when he was saying this, he actually took it a step further. What does he say? He says, anyone who listens to my teachings, so yes, the answer is Jesus, but it's also knowing the truths of God's word. He said, anyone who listens to my teaching, it's knowing the truths of God's word, and then secondly, and follows it. So what's the right foundation? It's Jesus, it's knowing the truths of God's word, and then it's building your life and your family upon them. You know, I feel like God really gave me a revelation in this passage, this pa these past few weeks as I was reading this. I've never noticed this before. That when Jesus is talking about the person that builds their house on the sand, it does not say that they never heard the teaching. They heard the teaching and they didn't follow it. So what's the right foundation? It's Jesus. It's, it's knowing the truths of God's word, but it's building your life and your family upon them. Jesus said that doing this was like building your house on bedrock. And what is bedrock? Just a quick definition. It's the solid rock in the ground which supports all the soil above it. So what does that mean for our faith? When we are truly building on the foundation of God and his word and we're living out these principles in our life, in our marriage, Jesus serves as this solid rock that we build everything else on top of. He's the only one that can sustain that sort of weight 
of a marriage, of relationships with your kids, of relationships with your family and a community. He's the solid rock that we build on. And I think one of the other truths we need to remember, and I think this is something we need to be challenged by today, is that we will never accidentally build on the right foundation. You will never accidentally build on the right foundation. It is an intentional choice to say, I am building my life, my marriage, my family, the way I raise my kids on the rock of Jesus and his teachings, and that's what guides our lives. In 2018, uh, a hurricane called Hurricane Michael, it was a Category 5 hurricane, it hit um, in the United States, and it hit a beach called Mexico Beach in Florida. And all of the houses that were on this beach were completely destroyed, just flattened. And there was this one house, you see it in the picture, it's kind of eerie because you look at it and you're like, why is that house still standing and everything around it is flattened? And even the houses that were a little further back that stayed standing had just significant damage, but this house was still standing, and it kind of became a phenomenon. You know, the people that built this house kind of went viral, and everybody wanted to interview them, and the question was always, why did your house stay standing when this hurricane hit? How did your house survive this hurricane? And I want us to listen to the interview that CNN did with them on why they said their house endured the storm. They'll survive. Go ahead. We put a lot of work in it. We, we paid attention to every detail from the ground up. Um, uh, at every point from, from, uh, from pilings to the roof uh, and everything in between, when it came time to, to make a decision about what level of material or what to use, we didn't pay attention to code. We went above and beyond code and we, and we tried to, and we asked the question, what would survive the big one? And, and we consistently tried to build it for that. You know, there's some things that they said in there that I think are so key for us to hear. They said, we put a lot of work into it. We paid attention to every detail from the ground up. We didn't pay attention to code. We went above and beyond code. And they asked this question, what would survive the big one? You know, when they were building their house, they were intentional at every step of the way to say, you know what? When a storm comes, we want this house to stay standing. So what are the decisions that we have to make to make sure that this house is going to endure? And my question for us is, are we this intentional in the way that we build our marriages? Are we this intentional in the way that we build our families? Are we this intentional in the way that we build up our faith? You know, life happens and life is crazy, but the reality is, is life is either going to happen to us and we're going to end up in this place of like, man, I don't even know what our foundation is. Or we're going to say, you know what, life happens and it's crazy, but we know what we're building on. We're building on the right foundation. We've decided that for us in our family, Christ is the solid rock that is our foundation. We all have to ask this question, am I building my life, and my family upon the solid rock of Christ and the word of God, or have I allowed something else to become the foundation? We have to choose the right foundation. And secondly, we have to expect the storms. You know, this was interesting to me. I've never noticed this before. In Matthew 7, verse 27, it doesn't say if the rains and floods come. It says when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house. 
In John 16, Jesus said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. You know, I'm gonna be honest, I don't like that. Like, I, I'm okay, even if Jesus said you will have trials and sorrows, Jesus said you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus promised that we would have trials. Jesus promised that we would go through storms. But he also promised that he would be with us in the storm, that he would sustain us in the storm. And even beyond that, that he would give us hope in the middle of the storm. So why is this important? Why is it important to know and expect the storms? Well, I think, first of all, we live in a culture that says, if you find yourself in rough waters, jump ship and go find calmer waters. We live in a culture that doesn't want to endure the storm. We want to get the heck out of the storm. It's like, you know what? I'm not dealing with this. This is too much. I'm jumping ship. I'm going to find something else. You know, there's problems in our marriage. I'm out of here. There's tension in our relationships with my kids, and, and it's getting rocky. You know what? I'm stepping back. I'm not going to deal with this. And I will say, there are times where we do have to step back, where there needs to be separation, where there's situations of abuse and, and really horrible things going on. I think that's why God gives us the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and godly counsel, people who can speak into our life and say, hey, this is beyond, you know, what we're talking about. There needs to be some separation here. But what I'm talking about is the storms that all of us are gonna face in our marriage, that all of us are gonna face in our relationships with our kids, that all of us are gonna face in our faith, in our lives. We need to expect the storms because if we don't, then when they come, we're gonna blame God. When really God said, no, you will have storms, but you can turn to me and I will help you to get through them. We need to expect the storms so we don't jump ship. And the other one, and I think this is huge, is that you build differently when you know a storm is coming. You build differently when you know a storm is coming. When they were building their house, they knew that at some point a hurricane was probably going to hit that house. They asked the question, what would survive the big one? When we know that storms are coming, we build differently. You know, let's say that the Lord came to you and said, hey, in five years, this huge thing is going to happen in your life, and you have the next five years to prepare for it. Well, you're probably going to think to yourself, all right, I want to strengthen my marriage. I want to strengthen my relationship with my kids. I want to make sure that we are anchored in Christ so when this thing happens, we won't collapse. We're going to have to go through the storm, but we're not going to collapse. And then my question would be, why don't we live like that anyways? Because storms will come and things will happen. And when we know that, we build differently. The reality is that your marriage will go through hard times. Your kids will go through hard times. Your family will go through hard times. Your faith will go through hard times. But the hope in all of this is that the storms don't win. The storms don't win. You know, it's incredible to me to think about this passage when Jesus was talking and both houses were hit with the storm. It doesn't say that the house, that the person who listened to the teaching and followed it 
was like the person who built their house on rock and that, that house was never hit with a storm. It says that although the storm came, the house didn't collapse. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian, not a Christian, doesn't, none of that matters. We will all go through storms in this life. But when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when we build our lives on the rock of Christ, the storms don't win. We have to expect the storms. And then finally, we need to embrace the weather damage. You know, I was thinking about uh, the past few weeks, this house that would have been built on the rock. And I was just imagining what this would be like, this, this solid house that goes through the storm. And here's what I felt the Lord speak to me that the house didn't collapse, but that doesn't mean there wasn't weather damage. The house didn't collapse, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't some chipped paint. That doesn't mean that it maybe didn't need a new roof after the storm came. The reality is, is that none of us make it through the storm without some bumps and bruises along the way. That's life, that's how it goes. When you walk through a storm, and it doesn't just say that the wind came, it says that the wind beat against that house. And how many of you know, if you've walked through a storm or you're in the middle of one right now, that's what it feels like. It's like, man, the wind is just beating against me from every side and I feel like I can't catch a break. You're bound to have some weather damage when you walk through a storm like that. But here's what I want us to realize today, that the weather damage from the storms that we walk through are our testimonies that though we were shaken, we did not collapse. The weather damage in our lives, the scars, the bumps and the bruises and the hurts and what feels like the baggage that we've picked up along the way, it tells the story of what God has done in our life. That though we were shaken and the wind beat against us, we did not collapse and only because of Jesus. And only because of Jesus. You know, on HGTV, how many of you watch HGTV? Don't lie. Some of you do, I know. On HGTV, there's a show called Houses with History. And this show is really awesome. These people, they go in and they restore houses or they remodel houses, but they do it by restoring the original framework and the original bones of the house. And in this show, they'll often talk about how the original bones of a house, they show the history and the legacy and the character of what a home has endured. It tells the story of the home. Now, how many of you have an area in your house, like a scratched piece of furniture or chipped hardwoods, something that tells the story of your home? I was thinking the other day about how we just moved into um, a new place like two months ago. And so we've been trying to keep, you know, our house picked up and nice, and we have a two-year-old, so you know how well that goes. So I was looking the other day at this huge chip we have in our wall, and I was like, man, what is this chip from? And then about an hour later, I saw my son take his Spider-Man car, and he revved it across a dresser, and it slammed into the wall in the exact spot where the chip was. I was like, oh, that's where the chip came from. Spider-Man car's been hitting the wall a few times. And when I look at that, you know, first I think some other things, but secondly, I think this tells the story of what has happened in our home. It tells the story of when our son was two and he just wanted to drive his Spider-Man cars everywhere and ram them into the walls because he thought a collision with cars was the coolest thing ever. 
You know, when we think about our lives, all of us have scars and hurts and bumps and bruises that we've picked up along the way. And I think it can be really easy to do one of two things. We can become ashamed, ashamed of our story, ashamed of the things we've done, ashamed of the decisions we've made, ashamed of where our marriage was or ashamed of what's going on with our kids or you fill in the blank. We can become ashamed or we can fall into the trap of comparison. And you've heard it said that comparison is the thief of joy. And I believe that that's so true. And both of those things, both of, both of those things rob us from embracing our testimonies, embracing our stories to say, you know what? We've been through some crap. Our marriage has been through some crap. Our kids are just feel like they're all over the place. We've walked through some really hard times, but instead of being ashamed of that, and instead of saying, oh, I wish we had their marriage, or I wish our kids acted like their kids, we're gonna embrace it and say, you know what? Our life, all the good, the bad, and the ugly, our life tells the story of what God has done. And things weren't always good, but God has always been good. And we were shaken, but we did not collapse. You know, I, I believe that this is more important than ever in our world today, because I believe that there are people in our world who desperately need to hear the testimony of what God has done in your life. They need to hear the testimony of what God has done in your marriage. They need to hear the testimony of what God has done in the life of your kids. Your testimony of what God has brought you through, your marriage through, your kids through, is the power of God on display for others. Yeah, we're going to pray in a moment and we're going to pray for this. I believe that because of your testimony, couples in here that are married and you're ashamed of your story and you feel like, man, I wish we had a different story. I wish our story was more like this couple. I wish we hadn't gone through what we went through. I want you to hear that there is a, there is a couple out there whose marriage will be restored because they hear the testimony of your marriage and they think, you know what? If God can do it for them, then maybe God can do it for us. I believe that there is going to be a miracle that will happen, a miracle that will be set into motion when someone hears the testimony of what God has brought your child through and they think to themselves, you know what? If God could do it for them, maybe he can do it for me. Maybe he can do it for our kids. I'm gonna start to pray for a miracle. I believe that there's someone who is going to find salvation through Jesus Christ, when they hear your story of how you were lost and you were broken and you were headed for hell and God intervened and they're gonna think, you know what? If God could save that person, maybe God can save me. The weather damage of our lives is the testimony that shows what the power of God can do when we make him the foundation of our lives And we say, you know what, God, we know that the storms will come and we know that we'll be shaken, but because of you, we will not collapse. I'm gonna invite everybody to stand up with me as we get ready to close. 
gonna go into a time of response. And you've heard me say this before, but I believe every time we hear God's word that he calls us to respond to what he's doing. And so we're gonna sing a song today that might be new for you. Maybe you've never heard it. But the lyrics of this song declare the truth that God is our firm foundation. And even when we go through the storms and everything around us is shaken, he won't be. He is the only solid rock that we can build upon. He is the only sure foundation that we can trust that will keep us anchored in the midst of life's storms. And so I wanna ask you today, just to close your eyes for a moment and think to yourself, how is God calling you to respond? Maybe you're here and and you're thinking to yourself, man, if I'm honest, Jesus is not the foundation of my life right now. He's not the foundation of my marriage or my kids. And the way you're gonna respond is by just saying, Jesus, today I commit to making you the foundation. Maybe you've been going through a storm or you've gone through one in the past and it's caused you to doubt God and to turn away from God. And today he's just speaking to you, reminding you that he promised that storms would come, but he will be with you. And because of him, you will be able to make it through the storm. And I believe there's a lot of us here who are gonna open up our hearts right now and say, you know what, God, would you help me to see the beauty of my testimony? I've been ashamed. I've been following into the trap of comparison, but God, help me to see the beauty of our story that it points to a big God who is able to do big things. God, would you be with us in this time? We open up our hearts and our minds to you, God, as we worship I pray that you would touch every heart, that you would bring healing and truth and restoration. And God, I pray that in this moment, we would make firm decisions to build our life on the firm foundation of Jesus. Let's worship together.